If you can turn with me to your Bibles before you're seated, the book of Luke, chapter 19, verse 10. We're going to read just two passages of Scripture. And I'm excited to share with you what God's been doing in Belize. The book of Luke, chapter 19, verse 10, it says, For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. Amen. I know you're a church that believes that this evening. Amen. The book of Matthew, chapter 6, verse 33, just one other verse. Very common verses that you're familiar with. It says, but seek, but seek ye first the kingdom of God. And all his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. They seem like two very far apart verses, but I'm going to do my best to make sense of both of them today. Amen? If you wouldn't mind just putting your Bibles aside, let's just pray together one more time. God, we love you. We magnify you today. God, help us to hear your word and apply it to our hearts. God, don't let us leave here the same, but God, I want to be charged and challenged in the Holy Ghost. God, let there be a fresh anointing that reside upon us. God, let there be a fresh burden, fresh passion like never before. God, I know that if I just seek you first, God, everything's going to work for your good, for your purpose, for your plan, God. God, I want to exalt you in your rightful place in my life. Hallelujah, 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 God. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You may be seated. I have a brief presentation, if we could play that. People that realize and understand that God is one and there's one that sits upon the throne and Jesus is his name. That there is no other name given among men whereby we must be saved and that's the name of Jesus.
personas que tú tienes aquí en la ciudad de Cayo, Señor. Personas que te aman a ti, oh Dios. Que tienen hambre de tu palabra, Señor. Oh, que ellos te glorifican y te exaltan a ti, Señor. Te pido to be here and share with what you what God's been doing in Belize. Amen. As you can see in the video, God has been working tremendously in the country of Belize. My family and I, we've been in the country of Belize for the last two years. If you're not familiar with Belize, it's okay. You're not the only one. We are a little country that borders Guatemala and Mexico. And thankful for me, I am the, uh, I only speak English and the country only speaks English, or that's the national language of the country is English, amen. If you look up Belize, it's much like American, I would assume like Canada as well, in the fact that it's a melting pot. So you have many different ethnicities that are represented there. We have many Chinese, we have many indigenous Mayan, we have Garifuna, which are of uh, African descent. We have Mennonites, amen. We have many different cultures and uh, Salvadorians, Guatemalans, and uh, we're doing our best to see that God reaches every culture and demographic that's represented in Belize, amen. The last two years before our family got there, our prayer was that God would send revival from the south to the north. If we had the map, that would be awesome. Uh, in Belize, there is about 45 countries In the early 80s, the late Tiwin Drost would go walking and by horseback into some of the villages in Belize. At one point, he had won the entire village of San Felipe. And uh, if you were to go to Belize, in the most southern part of the country is where God has sent tremendous revival. On the map here, in the green and in the pink, Toledo and Stan Creek, God has done great things. Uh, most people, when you look up Belize, you think, oh, wow. You must be loving it because it's paradise. Well, we don't see the paradise part all the time. 
We're busy reaching souls. Amen. And so in the southern part is where the Mayans are, are most prominent. And we are, thanks be to God, because the revival that we've seen thus far, the largest church amongst the Mayan people. We have about 45 churches all throughout the country, and 40 of them are in just those two districts in Stan Creek and in Toledo. And so when I say to pray for Belize, that the revival from the south would spread to the north, that's what we're believing God for. Amen. We're not discrediting the revival that God's brought. It's there. We've seen it. God's been doing it. And so before we stepped foot, we were praying and believing that that revival would continue to spread north. And I come to report to you tonight that God has been doing that. Amen. We're rejoicing in the fact that God has been opening doors. Even in the midst of a pandemic, God has been making a way. Amen. In the city of Corozal, uh, the most northern district in the country we had never had a church and uh two about two weeks of us getting there uh our spanish pastor he baptized five people and he said i baptize these five people but they speak english would you mind working with them and i was honored they live it's two hours from where we live our family lives in belize city and so we would get together every Thursday and we would go two hours north to, to work and, and reach that area that's never been reached before. Our first ever church service, there was 28 people in attendance, amen, and an outside service, not including the chickens or the dogs, that was including all the women, men, and children, amen. And from that, God's continued to do a work. We got impacted from COVID as we all did, but you know what? That didn't stop the church, amen? That didn't stop what God had intended for his people. We had to change our method, but we went house to house, just like the scripture tells us, and we would go from about 8 in the morning, and we would get home about 9 or 10 at night, and we would go house to house, and we would have Bible study, and God was doing tremendous things. When we began to build the church, thanks to the help of the Northern American Church, amen, we had built the church that you've seen in the video in Corozal just this last November. There was a man that helped build the church. He's a former MS-13 gang member. His name is Josue. He was coming to the church, and Josue thought that God wouldn't fill him with the Holy Ghost because of his past, because of the things that he's done. If you were to look up the MS-13 gang, they are the most dangerous gang in the world. There's none more dangerous. I used to be a prison guard, and it doesn't get worse than MS-13. And so I don't know all his past, but he thought God couldn't wash him. He thought God couldn't fill him. Josue was the hardest worker as we began to build the foundation of the church, as we began to build the sides and the roof. I began to tell Josue, Josue... By the time this church is done, God's going to fill you with the Holy Ghost and the very church that you've built with your hands. Amen. And we had a tremendous service, amen, when we dedicated the church. One of the last people to go up was this man, Josue. Josue went up to the altar and he barely lifted his hands with his head tucked down. Instantly, tears became streaming down his face as the power of the Holy Ghost filled him with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. 
Amen. That's the power of the God that we serve. There's no thing too hard for God. There's no person that's too far from Him. That you're not beyond His reach today. If you've come here today, God is hungry to reach you. God is wanting to get a hold of you this evening. Amen. Do you believe that today? God got a hold of Josue. Amen. And while we were doing that, there was a man that helped build the church also. He was in the video. He was a Caucasian man. He was tall. This man's a former Mennonite. When you leave the Mennonite community, you get disowned. Many years ago, he got a revelation of who God was, and he left the Mennonite church. Just a, about a year and a half ago, he got connected with our church. And throughout that process, he got baptized in Jesus' name. God filled him with the Holy Ghost. Amen. You've seen the graduates. He didn't graduate, but we just had 20 graduates, amen, this last March that graduated from Bible school. But this man, his name's Brother Frank, and Brother Frank's now a Bible school student. Just about five months ago, Brother Frank got filled with the power of the Holy Ghost. Amen. He is the first Mennonite convert of the United Pentecostal Church of Belize that we've ever had, and I believe God's going to send more. I believe it's just the beginning, amen, of what God's going to do. Brother Frank, as we speak, he's here, we're here, and he's pastoring the church in Corozal that you've seen being built, amen. He's doing a tremendous job. How many of you believe that your prayers work? How many of you believe that God hears your prayers, amen? And Cayo, another district in the blue, is an area where we've never had a church. In, in Belmopan's the capital, we've had a church there. But in the city of Cayo, we've never had a church. So our prayer for the last two years, it's a big city, is God, open a door in Cayo. God, help us to find someone that we can connect with in the city of Cayo. And as uh, we had been praying for two years, a friend of ours that's an evangelist in Texas ran into a gentleman, and this gentleman said, hey, I have a brother that uh, it lives in Belize, and he's trying to get connected with the church. He got the Holy Ghost. He got baptized. He's trying to get connected with the church. Right here in Fredericton, you can affect revival around the world. Right here. You can impact nations. I know I don't have to tell you that. I know you know that. Amen. This man, we connected with him, and Lo and behold, it was a God thing. For the last two years, we've been praying that God would open a door in Cayo. For the last two years, he had been praying that God would send him a church that preaches truth. Not only was he praying, but they got desperate, amen. They began praying every day, amen. They got so desperate for God to work in their lives that their neighbors began to get involved. They were meeting, and to this day, they still meet and have prayer meetings four nights a week with them and their neighbors. And their number one prayer for the last two years was God send us a church. God make a way. God connected us with those people. We, we, you've seen the service. There's no electricity. There's no running water. Amen. But God was in the midst of it. That brother got renewed in the Holy Ghost. And just, we came, my family and I came here in May, and just before we arrived here in the month of May, I was privileged and honored to baptize our first ever three converts from the city of Cayo. Amen. 
So when I say pray that God will send that revival north, he's already begun it. He's already doing it. When you pray for Belize, pray that God will continue to open doors, that God will continue to give us contacts like he's done. Amen. I, I know and believe with everything in me, we're in the final hour of the church. There's no doubt about it. Amen. And I don't say that to scare you. I don't say that for you to be fearful. I say that because as the people of God, it's the greatest hour the church has ever seen. It's the greatest thing that we're ever going to be able to witness is what God is doing, not 2,000 years ago, but what God is doing right now and I'm thankful that we can partner with God and God would allow us uh, to be his hands and be his feet and be his voice amen amen we read in in act in I'm sorry in Luke chapter 19 and 10 and it says that he came to seek and to save them that are lost if you were to go around the room and ask everyone why Christ came you would probably get many answers and you would get good answers but I come to tell you that's why he came. He came to reach those that were lost. He came to find me when I didn't deserve this truth, when I didn't deserve to be standing here today. And he washed me and he cleansed me and he sanctified me and delivered me and he did it for you today. I'm thankful that he's still a soul-saving God. I'm thankful that in the hour that we're living in, the world looks like it's winning. Sin looks like it's rampant, but God is still reaching for the lost. God is still reaching for the down and out, those that are addicted, those that are abound by sin. My God can still deliver them. My God can still get a hold of them. Just, just the other day, I know that if we were to go witness to people, I know if we were to go witness and say, hey, I'm telling you about God because you're lost, <laughs> they probably wouldn't accept that. <laughs> no one wants to be told they're lost. No one wants to be told, uh, who are you to tell me that I'm lost? But the fact is, there's a lost world out there. The fact is, is that there are people in this world, whether we think it or not, that are hungry for God, that are looking for this hope that we possess. They're looking for this truth that God has given us. Amen. I know there's a lost world out there and they're waiting for you and I. They're waiting for us to reach him. Just the other day on Monday, I was driving up from Maine, and I was about an hour and a half out from here. And I got off to get gas, and uh, my card had gotten um, ripped off, so I don't ever use my card at the pump. So I walked inside to slide my card, and all of a sudden there was three people in there that were lost. They were needing God. The world wants to make sin look like it's fun and like everything is okay and it's the way to be. But there are people in this world that are hungry for God. These ladies, these two ladies in front of me were talking. One lady, she had no shoes on. She looked like she, she didn't have anywhere to sleep that night before. She began talking about how her husband had had a brain aneurysm and she hadn't slept for five days. When you look at people on the surface, you don't know what they're going through. We don't know what they're dealing with. But she proceeded to tell this man at the counter her burdens, everything she was dealing with. The man at the counter 
interjected and he said, just eight days ago, my son died in my arms in my kitchen. And she, he had had to resuscitate him. And these people didn't even know each other. And they're just, I don't know, I, I was a God thing. God, I believe, positioned me there. And they were hurting. And they were crying. And I paid for my gas. And I went outside, and they're outside. And I said, ma'am, do you mind if I pray for you? Before I know it, all three of them are there gathered together. And we're praying for this man that had had an aneurysm. He could barely stand. I wish I could tell you they got the Holy Ghost. I wish I could tell you they got baptized. But what I can tell you is they felt the power of God. I believe that God positioned me there to witness to them. As we were praying for them, there's tears all over their eyes. The worker came and he began to hug them and cry for them. And they said, thank you for what you're doing. Keep, keep spreading hope. I want you to know that God has blessed us with this truth to reach this lost and dying world. This world is looking for the hope that we possess. They're looking for an answer to all of life's problems and all of life's issues. And God has blessed us with this truth. When you go to the grocery store, when you go to your workplace, when you go out and about, God has positioned you there around those people at that time for a reason. Living for God is not something that we can just shut off and turn back on when it's convenient. Amen. But it's got to be a lifestyle. Amen. We're going to be used of God in this final hour, every single one of us, to impact global revival, global harvest. It's not tomorrow. It's now. I believe it with everything in me. The harvest is right. The labors are few. When you pray for Belize, I pray that you would pray that God will raise up labors. That God will raise up people that are hungry for Him. If you're here tonight and you feel like you're far from God, in the passage I read, if you look previous, it talks about the man named Zacchaeus. We know the Sunday school song about him. If you don't have kids, you'll learn it. He was just a wee little man. Amen. But here's a story about Zacchaeus. He wasn't liked. He was kind of looked down upon. And Zacchaeus just climbed up away in a distance on the sycamore tree just to get a glimpse of Christ. And here was the multitudes all around him. And Christ looks up at him and says, Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house today. If you're here sitting on a church pew today, and you think, oh, you're far from God, or you think God doesn't see you, or God may not hear you, or you might just be lost in the crowd. God knows who you are. God knows exactly where you're sitting. He knows exactly the thoughts going through your mind. He knows exactly the burden that's upon your heart today. And He wants to come to your house. He wants to sit down with you. He wants to calm your troubles and your worries and speak to your situation because that's the God that we serve. It's not the will of God that you come here and feel lost. It's not the will of God that you feel like you're at a distance. God loves you. God is mindful of you. And God is here tonight to get a hold of your life. That you don't know him from a distance, but that you know him personally. Do you believe that today? I read Matthew 6 and 33 says, seek ye first the kingdom of God. I believe we've got to seek to reach the lost.
I believe we got to seek the kingdom of God. I believe it goes hand in hand because if it was important to God, it must be important to me. If it was important to God to come and reach the lost, I've got to make that my burden. I've got to make that my passion and my desire. I want to please God in everything I do. I want to put him first in everything I do. And I want to tell you, you've probably heard it time in and time out, but when you put the things of God first, God will always take care of you. God will always make a way in your situation, in your circumstance. God will make a way. I, uh, my, my family and I, we've been, I've been living for God for some years. I had a job that I enjoyed. My wife had a job that she enjoyed. I had a, we had a, a house that we enjoyed. And I'm not saying any of this for pity. We felt the call of God to go to Belize. We saved up for two years and we went. And before I went, everyone told me, even people in church, believe it or not, I probably shouldn't admit that, you're crazy. You're throwing it all down the drain. Why would you go do this? Why, why would you do that? Because you know what? I've understood something. I didn't know what was going to happen next. But I know that if God called me, it was going to be all right. I know that if God put it in my heart, he was going to make a way. And so we did make, we did do that. And can I tell you, and you can tell already, I'm not skinny. I did not starve on the missions field. My family did not go without. Why? Because we put the work of God first. Amen. While we're on the, on the missions field, and we begin to be about our Father's business, not for glory, not for our name recognition, but just because we want to please God. I'm so grateful to be a part of the work of God. I'm thankful that I can stand here today, and because the love of God and the goodness of God, He's allowed me to reach lives in the country of Belize that never would have been reached before. I've been able to see people filled with the Holy Ghost that hadn't got the Holy Ghost before. I've been able to be a witness of churches raising up in the middle of a pandemic that never had heard the gospel before in areas that had never been reached. Why? Because we put his work first. I don't say that for glory, but I say that because I'm in all myself that God would allow me to see these things. While we've been on the missions field, God's allowed us to witness many miracles, countless miracles. When I was working for two years, my wife had an ankle problem. Went to the doctor. The doctor said, try this. They said, try that. Change your shoes. Change this. Change that. All to no avail for two years. A few months of us getting on the missions field on a Tuesday night prayer, an old lady in our church she, she went up and laid hands on my wife's ankle after two years of having pain. And instantly God healed my wife's ankle. Why are you saying this, preacher? Because when you put the will of God first in your life, God makes a way for your need. God makes provision in your life. Amen. We, we uh, have received countless reports of the goodness of God. Just the other day, a lady in our church, she had come to the church, not the other day, but she had come to church in October and she got 
she, she said, I, I'm ready to live for God. And she said, I'm going to go to three churches and I, I'm going to find the one and that will be my church. Our church was the second church she went to. And she said, when she walked onto the, 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 the entryway of the church, she said, I knew this was my church. She said she felt the power of God. She felt the chills of the Holy Ghost. Amen. She went to the altar. Her name's Mary Lou. She got filled with the Holy Ghost. I had the privilege of baptizing her in Jesus' name. Just shortly after I baptized her, she had went to the doctor, and the doctor diagnosed Mary Lou with stage 4 cancer. And she said, Pastor, no matter what, I'm not going to stop living for God. I'm going to put God first. I'm going to keep serving God. She went to Mexico to get treatment for about a month. After she got treatment, she came home, and she said she felt like God had healed her. She went back to the specialist. She said, can you run your test? I believe God healed me. Stage 4 cancer. The doctor ran the test and they said, Mary Lou, there is no sign of cancer anywhere in your body. That's the power of my God. She said, people try to tell her, oh, it might have been the treatment. She said, no, I know who my God is. She said, there's people that are sitting there in that facility that have stage one and stage two and they're still stuck there. But God healed me. God stepped in in my life because she put the things of him first. She was so excited. She testified in our church just a few weeks ago about it. And she said, good morning, church. I used to be Miss Mary Lou, but now I'm Sister Mary Lou. And I'm going to share my testimony everywhere that I go. That's the power of our God. I'm telling you this because no matter what you're facing... Don't let the enemy put fear in your heart. Don't you have any sense of retreat in your life. You keep living for God. You keep walking with God. You keep loving God. Amen. I want to be like Noah, that I have the testimony that I walked with God. Through the storm, through the rain, no matter what, God, I'm going to put you first. I'm going to reach souls everywhere that I go. I'm going to tell about the goodness of you. I'm going to tell about the mercy of you. Church, I am ready for revival. And I want to be a part of it. I want to be in the hot middle of it. I want my city to know about it. I want my town to know. I want my friends and my family, even those that said they don't want to hear about it. I want to tell them about the goodness of God. How that I once was lost, amen. But now I'm found. Now I've been delivered. Now I've been restored. I might not have all the things I might have imagined in my life, but God has made a way. God has provided. God has never failed me yet. You just keep walking with God. I know you're a soul winning church. You keep reaching souls. You keep putting God first. Get on fire for the things of God. Don't let your passion become quenched. Don't let your burden for the work of God begin to dim in your life. Get a burden for the things of Him like never before. If you need a healing tonight, God could do that. Amen. If you need a miracle in your life, my God's able tonight. A lot of times I, I try to mention this when I go to churches, and I know it's not your church, it's every other church. But there's churches that have a mindset, well, God does great things.
in other countries. We see more miracles in other countries. But I want to encourage you tonight. God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. God changes not. He's the creator of the heavens and the earth. Amen. God has no barriers. He has no borders. He has no boundaries. He's the same God in Belize as he is right here in Fredericton. And if you need a miracle from God tonight, you better believe he can do it. Many times we want to be healed and God's waiting on us and we're waiting on him. The reality is, what is your faith today? Do you believe that today is your hour? Do you believe that with everything in you, God can give you a greater burden for the lost today? Do you believe with everything in you that today you can get your victory? You can get your miracle. You can get your deliverance. You can get your overcoming. Do you believe that? Because he can. Many times before he healed, he said, do you believe? What is your faith today? I don't want you to have any sense of doubt. I rebuke all doubt, all fear. Amen. God's able right here tonight. I know it's a Wednesday night. Amen. I know it's an off night, but you know what? God is here. God is in the midst of his people today. And God knows exactly what you're dealing with. Whether it's been 10 years, 10 days, or 10 months, God can provide your need tonight. In November, or in September of last year, I try to share this testimony everywhere that I go. September of last year, my eight-year-old son, Levi, he fell and broke his arm. Like most boys, amen. He got his cast off. He was doing good. Well, we had a group come in November to help build our church in Corazal. My son fell and broke that same arm again. Except the medical isn't quite as good in Belize. And so uh, he had an appointment, they had casted it, but every time he had an appointment to meet with the specialist to look at his arm, they kept canceling. They kept canceling so much that it took two weeks before the specialist could look at my son's arm. By the time that the specialist looked at his arm, his arm had already begun to, the healing process, except for his arm wasn't set right. So his arm was crooked. It was like this, on t one bone on top of the other. The doctor said, well, we could break his arm. Or we could just hope, because he's young, that it might grow straight. I looked at my wife. My son heard the doctor, and he said, Dad, don't let him break my arm again. Please don't let him break my arm. I said, son, I'm not going to do that. So I looked at my wife, and I said, you know what? We're just going to pray and walk by faith, and we're going to put it in the ultimate physician's hands. Time went by. My son got his arm cast off, and... Uh, we had the privilege to go home for Christmas, God provided. We got to go home for Christmas, except for I had to be that parent that shows up with a kid with a cricket arm. We felt horrible. His cast was off. Everyone in our family saw his bone bulging, and they seen my son's cricket arm. When his cast came off, the doctor said his arm might grow straight, in 18 months, possibly, because he's so young. 
Thank God for my son. He has faith. Amen. God filled him with the Holy Ghost in the missions field. He got baptized in Jesus' name. Amen. And so every day after his arm, after his cast came off, his number one prayer request was, Daddy, pray for my arm. We, we usually have service about six out of seven nights a week or some type of ministry. And every prayer meeting, every service, my son would lift his arm and ask pray, prayer for his arm. Not even 30 days, within about 30 days, on a Tuesday night prayer, sometimes, uh, I'm sure it's not like this here, but sometimes not everyone shows up on prayer meetings. Amen. There was about six of us or five of us on prayer meeting. My son had said prayer, prayer request for his arm. We prayed. Service went by. At the end of the service, my son comes up and he lifts his hand. And he says, Dad, God straightened my arm today. <laughs> and his arm was completely straight. Why am I telling you this? Because there's no thing that our God cannot do. My God is faithful. My God is able. He's not limited in any manner. You put him first. You live for him when it gets tough and it gets hard. You just keep serving God. You keep walking with God. Amen. And God will take care of you. If you read previous in the scripture, he said, don't worry about what you're going to eat. Don't worry about what's coming tomorrow. Don't worry about the clothes. Don't worry about that. Just do this. Put God first. If there's someone here tonight and you've never received the Holy Ghost, make up in your mind you want to put God first today. When we come to this altar, I want you to lift up your hands and just ask God to forgive you and wash you and God will fill you with the power of the Holy Ghost. If you're here tonight and you've got an ailment, or you've got issues that maybe no one even knows about, but you and that doctor report you receive, it's nothing too hard for my God. God could do it right now on this Wednesday night. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He knows exactly where you're at. He knows the thoughts that are on your mind. Have faith. Believe. Put your faith in him. The enemy works in fear. Don't live in fear. Don't allow fear to grip your heart tonight. Say, God, I want to get busy for you. God, I want to impact my community. I want to impact who I can for you. And I know that if I put the things of you first, I'm going to make it all, all right. Everything's going to be okay. Do you believe that today? If we can all just stand and give the Lord a hand clap of praise. God, we love you right now. We worship and magnify your mighty name. God, I pray that our faith be lifted up this evening. God, give me a greater passion to reach the lost. Give me a greater...